Hello, and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. Today, our special, special guest is Manny O'Mitchell. You may have heard of him uh, from the 2012 Games. He broke his leg halfway through an Olympic race, ended up finishing with an extremely respectable time, not even respectable, faster than most people with two legs, um, two fully working legs would have done it, and ended up being a part of a team that won the silver medal the dude is amazing super as i said inspirational very caring has an amazing story willing to answer all my questions and he is such a cool cool dude so i really really hope you guys enjoy this episode um it's it's fantastic Menio was a pleasure to have on such an amazing guy so i'm sure you guys will like it so other than that i hope you have a fantastic episode all right and another special 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 guest today we have silver medalist manio mitchell he's on the usa track and field he runs the 200 and the 400 those are his specialties born july 6 1987 down in north carolina a beautiful place i can't wait to get there one day uh, he started running track in high school and became a standout where he then attended western carolina university where he reached the ncaa outdoor championship three out of four years and was the southern conference mvp four years running no pun intended. Uh, he made it to the 2012 games and was part of the 4x400 relay where he famously at this point, un- infamously I guess we could say, uh, broke his leg during the race but ended up finishing and helping the team eventually win the silver medal, which is pretty incredible. And uh, that same year, 2012, he also won the gold at the indoor, uh, the World Indoor Championships for the 4x400. So Manio, thank you so much for being here today, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. No, absolutely. This is a fun little project we're doing. I've been able to interview a lot of uh, athletes, former athletes, hopefuls, um, and we're having a pretty good time with it. So I'm sure you're going to have uh, have some pretty good fire for us today, so I'm pretty excited. So if you don't mind, obviously, yeah. I gave a little uh, tiny synopsis right here, but um, could you kind of tell your story for us a little bit? I'm sure you're better at telling it than I am. Uh, yeah, so I uh, grew up in a small town. I was born in Shelby, North Carolina, but I was raised in a small town of Mooresboro, North Carolina, which is pretty much 331 people for population. Well, 330 because I'm not there right now. So um, really, really small town, drug infested when I was growing up and uh, uh, didn't really, I mean, it was always told, you know, you're not going to make it out. You're going to be in jail or, or not go to college, all this stuff. So the odds were always stacked against me. And I think that a testament to, you know, everything I've gone through now and, and that I'm going through, uh, have gone through in the past. Um, but a lot of people know me for, you know, the Olympic Games back in 2012. Um, I was running in the preliminary round of the 4x400-meter relay for Team USA. Uh, I was the first runner, so I was the, the one who had all the, the, the big task of not all starting and, you know, all the stuff that mm-hmm. is housed within having, having the first runner job. So um, I'm making my way around the track, and I get to about 200 meters, which is halfway and my left fibular bone snaps. Um, and as the story will go on to tell you that I actually kept running on it and, and finished the race, finished my lap in about 45, 46 seconds. And uh, we were able to actually run an Olympic record that day um, for a preliminary round. And obviously couldn't run the next day, but we brought someone in to take my spot. And the guys went on and got uh, eventually the silver medal uh, at the London game. So, uh, pretty wild story, man. It's almost still, you know, unbelievable to me. But you know, uh, it's just I'm just built different. A lot of people ask, you know, how did that happen and and why did you keep running? I'm just built different. And honestly, I hate I hate losing more than I love winning. If that makes sense. So um, I that's kind of like you know. I- 
I love it, man. I'm 100% the same way. I hate losing more than I love winning as well. Losing is like the worst feeling in the world. Winning is more of a relief, I guess, for me personally. Um, I don't know if you feel that way as well, but losing is just the worst feeling I've ever felt. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I, what I tell a lot of people, because uh, I, I travel around the world now, literally like speaking and, and stuff like that. So what I try to tell a lot of people is, you know, um, sometimes you win even in a loss. But it doesn't mean you have to enjoy the, the loss. You know, you can learn a lot from a loss or in losing, you could also win. So, uh, like I said, I just I enjoy winning, but I, I hate losing a lot more. Completely respect that, man. That is pretty phenomenal. And that, yeah, I mean, I've, I've read the story. I remember when it happened. It, it, it's unbelievable to you and you lived it. I mean, just think of everybody else. I personally, knock on wood, never broken a bone, thankfully, but I can only imagine that pain. And then still, as you said, you're only halfway through. It's one thing if you're a couple steps from the line and you're able to get to where you need to be, um, but you have literally half your race left to go and, and you're just able to persevere. So, I, you know, obviously that's a testament, as you said, to where you grew up and kind of how you're able to persevere through that. But how much do you believe is, you know, mind over body um, and, and not thinking about the pain? And obviously it's there, but just still continuing and just going and crushing it anyway. Uh, it's definitely mind over body, or I like to call it mind over matter. Um, it's imperative. I, I always say it's imperative to focus on the primary task at hand. And in doing so, everything else will fall into place. And my task at that time, the task that I was given, the task that I've worked all these years for one race that lasts less than 45 seconds, you you you, you don't think you would think about all that stuff while you're running, but I kind of do um, because I feel like I'm more of a mental athlete. But it's definitely just a testament to, you know, hard work and, and knowing that I was given a task and I needed to complete it. And, uh, you know, we, I represent the best team in the world. It's the hardest team you can make. It's the Olympic team for track and field. It's the hardest team anyone could ever try out for. Uh, there's three spots up for grabs. There's six spots for the relay or, or whatever they choose that year. And, you know, I, I wanted to go there and make history and leave my name and leave it all out there. And I, I did what I could in the situation. And, of course, there were three guys, you know, depending on me to come back to that line. No matter how fast or how slow I did my job, I knew that those guys would, would make up the slack that, you know, I caused with my injury. So, you know, I, I just wasn't going to give up. Not only for myself, it wasn't even about me. It was more so about those three guys in the country that was depending on me and the team and the coaches and, you know, just completing the task. And we appreciate it, man. We sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. It's an incredible story. You were able to do it. You were able to, I mean, run. I mean, I bet if I had three legs, I wouldn't be able to run, you know, a 400 in, in 45 seconds, let alone one leg. So that's pretty incredible um, that you were able to do that. What, um, did, so is, do you know why? What did you step wrong? Like what major leg break? Was it just pressure, stress over time? Like how, did you ever get a reason on kind of why your leg just, I guess, randomly broke halfway through a race? Yeah, so we kind of pinpointed it to um, three days prior to the race. I was in the Olympic Village in my apart in our apartment, um, and I had to run back up and get my spikes for training because I had left them. I had, a, I had the wrong bag or something. We had so many bags um, that I, I misplaced my spikes. So I had to run up the steps. They were concrete steps. And I remember tripping on the steps, going up the steps. I mean, who here you are, a professional runner, tripping up steps, right? Ooh, so yeah. I tripped Not up the steps, and I, I ended up piercing that bone that would eventually break. But in the basement of our um, of our um, complex at the apartment, I was actually 
saw uh, seen by doctors um, because it, it hurt, obviously, and, and I didn't feel a crack or anything like that. So um, I was seen by doctors. Uh, medical team checked it out, had an x-ray. Everything was good. They said it was probably just a bone bruise because I, like, hit it that hard. Trained that day, trained the next day, and then the following day we raced. And they seemed to think that the stress, like you said, the stress and pressure and uh, just just going all in on that leg is what caused it to eventually just snap. Super unfortunate, man. Super unfortunate. Now, how you again, as you said, many m- most of what you've kind of try and teach other people and and believe yourself, mind over matter, perseverance, all that. How have you been able to spin something so devastating? I mean, literally, you, you know, you work, as you said, four years to get to this point. You're there halfway through, you break your leg, you're not able to race anymore. How have you been able to spin this for a positive for yourself to make sure that you're still coming out of this, as you said, learning from a loss? Um. Well, for me personally, you know, I was out for a while and I would say physically I knew I would get back, you know, to a healthy point and to elite status again. But mentally uh, has and still is one of the, you know, the challengers. Um, I would say that, you know, it, it was it was always housed within me growing up that, you know, my mom is still, I grew up in a single parent home. My mom instilled in me the, the qualities of just knowing that you can do anything you set your mind to. So I knew that I would get back, but what it also did is it provided me a platform um, and put me on a pedestal that, you know, I always wanted to, always said I wanted to be famous and and be on TV and all this stuff, but I never knew that it would happen in this capacity. So I was given this platform to be able to inspire others through my running and and through my efforts of the games and then hereafter. So um, I think that that's the best part. Of course, the medals and the money and all that stuff is cool. But to be able to say that something that you did, something that you thought you would probably never do, and something that people told you that you would never amount to and you never make it and all these things, to be able to say that you did and to provide some hope of or some sense of inspiration and hope to others in doing so, that's the real gold medal there. I mean, it's it's not really about all that other stuff. It just feels good to be able to have someone come up to you at a random spot and say, oh, my gosh, man, you inspired me. Or and it's not even athletically. It's 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 athletics, it's academics, it's all you know endeavors of life, and, and that's the best feeling. It's it's pretty incredible that you and you know again because you're so in tune, um, you know, with your the the mental side, the spiritual side of your body that you can then say, okay, yeah, this sucks, but at the same time, now I have this unbelievable platform. Not many people break their leg in the middle of an Olympic preliminary and go on to finish and then go on to win a silver medal. So, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's unfortunate, but I like to look at silver linings and blessing in disguises clearly, clearly, clearly was something that I'm sure at the time was devastating, but moving forward, you've seen and, and reaped significant amount of benefits from it. So it's, uh, it's pretty phenomenal. It's, it's, I'm happy to hear that you're, you're back at it, still an elite athlete and uh, still rocking and rolling, man. So, and I'm sure you're pretty tired of telling the story at this point right now. You've been telling it for the last six years, it probably sounds like. Uh, I've told it quite a few times. <laughs> but, you know, like, like I said, like I said, I know when I'm telling it that it's, it's inspiring someone. It's, it's putting a flame in someone's heart, uh, that burning desire that maybe they didn't have before they heard it. So um, I just go from there, man, and just. I have I have different versions of it. It's all the truth, but you know you have the the short version, the long mm-hmm. version. You know you just kind of you get acclimated to it and you just prepare yourself for it. I guess. 
Love it, man. Well, hey, we've talked about it enough. And as you said, you've talked about it enough at this point. So I kind of want to go back a little bit. Uh, tell me a little bit more about your, your home life, your, your small town you were growing up, grow, grew up in. I read on the internet that you were a pretty standout um, football player. You played relatively good wide receiver. Why, what made you transition over to track? I mean, coming out of a small town, I mean, football player, basketball player, they're usually two of the bigger things people go for. What made you want to switch to then um, be a track star? Yeah, well... My um my school and really my county Cleveland County is is known for some very very talented athletes and academically as well. Mm-hmm. So it was always a big competition and and all that with with us playing football and stuff like that. So I know that um like football was just you know I was born and bred with that and that was my that was my go to sport that was my first sport actually well no basketball was but then I switched over to football. And that was pretty much all I wanted to do. I wanted to go in the NFL. I knew I was going to go to the NFL. I knew I was going to play in college. Uh, and that was the goal. But my senior year, um, I broke my arm in the second. I always break stuff. I broke my arm the second second game of our season. Um, we would end up going back to state championships, back-to-back state champions. We won. Um, I came back in the playoffs, scored a couple touchdowns. And, you know, back then – it wasn't like it is now where they offer you scholarships and they they give you that scholarship and bring you in now. If you get hurt or something like that, they redshirt you. Back then it was like, okay, look, he's hurt. We're going to the next best person. So my wide receiver uh, coach was the track coach. He was like, you should come out here and run track. And I was like, man, running is punishment. I don't know how I feel about going out there and doing something that I've been doing for punishment all my life. And uh, I fell in love with it. And we went from there. I, I ran really fast. and had some offers track-wise. Some of the football offers were still there, but it, I kind of fell in love with the sport of track and field and the thought of running and, and how much the body changed and all of the stuff that was housed within it. It was a task of itself. So um, when I fell in love with it, and I've been in love with it ever since. That is too It's so true. Um, as you said, running is punishment for every other sport where now you are, your sport is just more running. I've always found that kind of funny. It was always something that came up. I played baseball in high school, so not too much running involved and uh, the, the track, um, the track athletes would always make fun of us when we did our two laps and we're all dying. Um, and they're like, yeah, we did two laps as a warm up, and now we actually have to do our sport. So I always found that kind of funny. Um, that's pretty incredible. And, and yeah, I guess back then, what was, what was this 2000? When, when were you in college? What, what, uh, what years are we talking about uh, or, or high school? I'm sorry. 2005, uh, high school, I uh, graduated in 2005. So I was in college from, undergrad 2005 to 2009 and then I actually went into grad school before I started training for the games very cool very cool love to hear that yeah Yeah. I I have down here in my notes MBA so I definitely want to talk about that at some point um but what uh, if you don't mind I mind me asking what uh what schools were after you to be a wide receiver and play for you play for them um Alabama Clemson Florida um a lot of really big schools and and not just for athletics it was academic as well yeah so, yeah yeah um west point harvard stanford um pretty much any school you can think of that had a fairly decent uh athletic and academic program i was offered um either athletically or academically that is um, incredible, man. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I mean, Florida Gators, they won during that time. I mean, Alabama, obviously, now. Yeah, been, and that's the crazy that's, thing. Yeah. I, uh, one of my teammates actually went on to Florida, and one of them went to Clemson. And 
you know, Florida, you know, that's when the Tebow years and mm-hmm. the Brandon Spikes years, you know, that Jeff Debs, all those guys. So uh, I always look back at that and I'm still cool with all those guys too. So I remember going on my visit and, you know, being around some of the guys that ended up going pro and, you know, that played in those, uh, those national championships. And I'm like, man, that could have been me, but you know, this was just God's plan for me. So I just take it in stride. No yeah, ha, ha, ha. very nice. Very nice. Um, no, man, I mean, clearly, clearly it's worked out. And, and I'm sure you don't look back and, and have any sort of regret. But that is pretty incredible to think that you could have been on some of these national championship teams or, or even swayed the SEC or some of these, I mean, gone to Harvard and done some of these other things. So it's incredible. Not to say Western Carolina University is a bad school, let's be honest, but still, oh, um, no, not you know, at all. It's, it's still, it's still incredible. Some of the things that I mean, clearly, you are just an absolute elite athlete if you had all these abilities. And I guess it's, as you said, you know, you always break things and it turns out that that was what was supposed to happen. You were supposed to break your arm essentially to then start track to then just be able to do and get on the platform that you've been able to get on. And it's, uh, it's incredible. And we're extremely happy that it all worked out for you. Obviously it worked out for the country and, and you're able to uh, continue to do what you do today. Oh yeah, so, for sure. Thank you. Yeah. No, please, man. Thank you. You, you put in more work than I'll ever do in my entire life. So, um, so in 2012, obviously we went over that a little bit, the 2016 games, what, um, what happened there? Did you attend, um, what exactly was going around, I guess, for the next four years from 2012 to 2016? Um, well, I slowly made my way back in. I got up into good shape and in position to, to go out for the team again. And then I actually got sick. Um, a lot of people don't know about that. I got sick shortly before the trials, maybe two or three, maybe right about a month before the trials, and that kind of slowed up my training. I also had a coaching change um, in December, and I went back to my coach four months before the, or three months before the trials. So I had a lot going on. I actually went in the first round. A lot of people don't even know I was there. I went in the first round, and I bowed out in the first round because mentally I was not ready. Physically I was ready, but mentally – and, um, you know, being sick and coming back and trying to stay in tip-top shape elite-wise, I just wasn't ready. So um, I missed out on that one, but we're all geared up to, to go for 2020 in two years. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I scoured the internet for a little bit and really couldn't find anything about 2016. So it's obviously unfortunate, you know, everything that happened in 2012 and getting back to elite shape, as you called it, just, that's not an easy task. Um and then, unfortunately, a lot of things happening right before the games that does suck and I'm not being able to um, complete the Olympic trials. Did that, again, knowing that you're a man of faith, knowing that you're a man of, you know, understanding and, and as you called it, rolling with God's plan, what, like, how did that make you feel in the moment? Was that something that you pretty much were like, okay, this is fine, this is what was supposed to happen? Or I'm sure you had some sort of, you know, negative emotions to not being able to even, um, to, to finish the race, obviously, with not being mentally there yeah um I always felt like it was just it was just uh destiny and you know just just my plan at the time so um you know I just went with it I I wasn't upset was I well I was upset but it wasn't to the point where okay I'm done I'm never gonna do it again all this stuff you know there's a lot of hype around that year anyways because it was the next Olympics right after what happened in 12 so there was a lot of you know pressure on me personally that a lot of people don't get to experience. And, uh, you know, I just, I just took it and, and just built off of it and said, you know what, I, this was how it's supposed to be this year. Um, this isn't the season right now, but that doesn't mean that's going to be the season two or four years out. So 
um, my coach and I, you know, we sat down and we've executed a plan and we're just going to, you know, take it day by day and see what happens. If, if I make another team, that's great. If not, I'm completely satisfied because I've done something that I never thought I'd be able to do anyways. Um, and it's brought me, you know, great fortune, not money wise, but just being able to, to share my story and share my life with people and influence them in a positive matter. Um, just being able to do that is, is enough within itself. I love it, man. Absolutely incredible. Some of the things you're doing. Um, and we, again, we sincerely appreciate you know, the time, the energy, the money, the blood, sweat, tears that you're putting into it. We sincerely, sincerely appreciate that. Um, so 2016 kind of, as you said, obviously you're going to be upset about it a couple years away now, um, a little less than two years from recording. What, um, what do you have to do on a daily basis to get ready for something that is, you know, at the time, four years away, now two years away? How do you create that plan to make sure every day you're doing exactly what you need to do to reach your goal of making another Olympic team? Uh, yeah, it's very strategic. A lot of people on the outside looking in think we just show up to these races and that's it. But Exactly. Um, I, yeah. can only see I want to yeah. completely change that see narrative. That's total BS. Obviously, yeah. extremely hard every day. Yeah, um, some days are harder than others. Uh, weights, obviously running, plyometrics, uh, yoga, stretching, um, pool workouts, uh, chiropractic services, sleep, recovery. All It's really a 24-hour job, and um, it's not really always about who's the fastest. It's about who can recover the fastest because a lot of people at the elite level are around the same – uh, level of competition but it's like am I going to go out tonight for my birthday or am I going to go to sleep and prepare for that race in a week so it's, it's it's just the small things that make the biggest changes and biggest difference in our sport and in all sports but especially in track and field because it's a game of of, of literally milliseconds so um, I mean like I said there's a lot housed in it and you know you sit down with everybody your team I have a I have a small army is what I call it so we sit down and everybody gets on the same plan. This is what we're going to do here. This is how we need to be here. This is where I want to race. And um, you kind of set it up. It's like looking into your future a little bit, which is kind of cool because you start from the end and plan back. So if the end goal is to make it to the 2020 games, then we start there and work our way back to right now. And uh, it's always a cool process. It's a long process, but it's always cool. And we're in the middle of doing that right now before we start our preseason training in November. So. Uh, yeah, man, it's it's a it's a fun time. It's it's very hectic and um, it can be stressful at times. But I kind of like that stress. I like having you know I'm I feel like I'm multifaceted. I like to have a lot of things going on. Um, and then when it's time to to tune in and 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 solely focus on track and field, I'm in there and there's no taking me from it. Love it, man. Reverse engineer. Good. Figure out your goal. Reverse engineer from there and, and just start um, start from day one. So I'm assuming when it comes to this, as you said, it's extremely strategic. It's very calculated. You're not, you know, it's probably a week by week, day by day kind of thing. So how, how do you focus? Like, how do you know exactly where you need to be, I guess, on certain, let's call it month four. And then if you are slightly off on your plan, how do you then go back and be like, okay, well, we're a little behind here. We're a little ahead here. How do you then go about fixing the plan to kind of work around you at this point as well? Um, well, typically from year to year, you kind of, you, it's, it's almost like the same thing every year. We, we kind of taper with things a little bit and, and, you know, fix and tweak, fine tune things. But usually it's the same, the same program. 
uh, because whatever works, it, why, why, if it's not broken, you know, the, the phrase, if it's, oh, not, it's not broken, why fix it? So we, we usually take that approach, but um, if there's something we need to go in and fine tune, then we do that. So from year to year, you kind of know, okay, in September or in August, I should be running about this fast or if, if either this fast or faster is what we, we always kind of like, like pinpointed as. So, um, you know, you kind of look at it like that. So for us, we know kind of like where we should be or where we want to be. Um, if we're a little bit off, that's fine. We go in, like I said, we, we tweak it to where we need to get to where we need to be. Very cool, man. It sounds pretty, uh, pretty impressive stuff. And I love it. And again, you know, we're crossing our fingers for you for 2020. We, we expect you to be there in the in the utmost sense of, you know, we want you to be there. And and we assume that you, uh, you got the stuff. I mean, it sounds like I've only been able to talk to you for a couple minutes now. But it does sound like that mentally, you're all there. Physically, I mean, that's on you. And it sounds like you're, uh, you're not going to let anything stop you this time around. So we're, we're pretty excited for you, man. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. It should be fun. It'll be fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to watch it on TV in a couple of years. So um, another thing that I'm really trying to do with this uh, podcast and, and with speaking with a lot of Olympic athletes is I want to flesh you out as a real person. Obviously we've been able to speak about your, your career, which has been a huge part of your life naturally. Um, but you know, as we've been kind of alluding to a little bit through, you know, you have an MBA, you're a motivational speaker, you're a father, you're a coach, you do some analyzing on NBC occasionally, you're a brand influencer. Tell me about all the other things that you got going on in your life and how you're able to balance that with, you know, this extremely calculated strategic training you have going on as well. Wow. Uh, yeah. Um, I am, a. I feel like I'm a very humble individual, but I do a lot of different things. I, I wear a lot of different hats and it's what makes me happy. Um, of course the speaking, is by far one of my most favorite things to do. I love traveling and uh, being able to travel and still uh, have fun and and encourage others and inspire others is great. So I enjoy doing that. Um, as far as um, education-wise, I do have I'm I'm finishing up my MBA actually. Okay. Um, I'm almost done. I'm almost done with. I think I have two more classes or one more class. Um, so I'll have that, but I have a, I have a master of arts in education. I have a bachelor of science in sport management. I have a bachelor of science, in sport, um, uh, athletic administration and marketing. So I have a couple degrees on the wall. Um, and you know, that, that's just, you know, instilled in me from my mom and just hard work, dedication, and just knowing that education is something that can never be taken away from you. And that's something that, you know, I want to push onto my son as well, not to pressure him, but just to show him that, you know, education is, is where it's at. Um, because you can always, you know, do athletics and you can sustain an injury and, and not be able to make it, you know, athletically, but you'll have something to fall back on. So, um, I definitely have my, my plan B ready, um, for when this is over. And I've kind of, like you said, I've kind of already, you know, dipped into that pie by doing some, some analyst work and doing my motivational speaking and starting my own business, uh, all these different things, just, you know, just to keep me busy and to keep inspiring people because, really the future is where it's at and I don't want to stay complacent. I want to be able to build and and help people to be what they want to be in life. Um, so as far as the NBC stuff, I love doing that. Um, it's kind of cool being able to talk about some of the people that you actually run against or have run with, um, and breaking down the, the sport and, and just giving the sport a different view, a different color. Um, our sport has, you know, grown significantly in the past 10 years. 
uh, from back in the 80s where it was drug infested and all these different things and our, our sport was tampered with. Uh, and now bringing limelight to our sport and just being able to, to tell the stories that people want to hear but they never get to hear and that people are afraid to do. I am not one to be afraid to talk. Like, I will tell you what, for example, a uh, what I do on Wednesday nights or if I go eat ice cream and cheat on my diet. I like People want to hear that stuff because it, it shows that we're human and not just these superstar athletes that all they care about is their sport and nothing else. Uh, there may be some people out there that like that, but for me personally and some of the people I know, a lot of people that I know, they're not like that. So it's cool to be able to, you know, to break that down to people. And I love doing that on air. Um, it's pretty cool uh, to be on the other side of the camera uh, and doing the dirty work. So it's pretty cool. Being a part of the media, man, it's uh, it's it's definitely probably a new take. And as you said, being on the other side of the camera is, is pretty cool. What um when you go and you do your motivational speaking, what is usually is is there a topic that you usually try and cover? Is it really just your life story? Because I mean, as we've heard, it's already relatively um relatively it's unbelievably motivational as it is so kind of how do you go about that part of your life um and making sure that you are really you're getting through to either the children you're speaking with the adults you're speaking with whomever yeah there's usually some kind of topic or or uh theme but it's all housed around me telling my story because it just for some strange reason it fits with every endeavor of life it somehow it, it just fits with everything and so uh, I guess I looked out on that and then, you know, I'll, I'll tell my story and then it's not just kids, you know, I, I do uh, corporate events, I do leadership activities, um, icebreakers, building, team bonding, all these things. And, and again, it's all housed around my story and of course my life and how I got to where I'm at right now and where I plan to go. So, um, you know, we just, we just go with it, man. It's, I never write anything down. Um, I've never actually written anything down. I just go with how I feel. I get a vibe from the audience and I just go front right there. Playing the crowd, man. Give the people what they want, right? That is, that is phenomenal. And I mean, you've been doing that exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's, we, we appreciate everything you've been able to help us out with and, and tell us about with today. And hopefully, um, there's some inspiration that, uh, a few people listening will be able to derive from this. I mean, you can still break your leg and run a 45 second 400. It's pretty pretty incredible so i think that there's a lot of things that people can do if they put their uh as you called it your mind over matter so i love it um Manny, oh, thank you so much man that's pretty much all i got for you today i sincerely appreciate it thank you so much for your time it's been unbelievable a great story a great conversation thank you so much Manny mitchell usa track and field grinding for the 2020 games um won the silver medal at the 2012 games Manny, thank you so much we really appreciate it man yeah no problem thanks for having me man Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes. I sincerely appreciate you taking your time out of the day to listen to what our athletes have to go through on a daily basis just to represent our country as elite um, at the highest possible level. So thank you guys so much. If you could rate, comment, share, subscribe, do whatever you got to do. I would love more people to listen to this because I truly believe that it'll be very inspirational. But at the same time, I truly believe that for the amount of blood, energy, sweat, tears, money, that our athletes are putting into trying to represent our country that the least we can do is listen to how they got there. So thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.